0: I'm really excited to have you meet Jessica, Steve, and Matt, who are my guests for this episode. This is definitely one of the more unusual episodes that I've done, mostly because you just don't see this happen very often when there has been a divorce. So many people that I've worked with over the last 20 plus years that are working through betrayal, addiction, trauma, oftentimes find themselves in contentious relationships in their marriages, if they're going through divorce, co-parenting. There's just a lot of pain and a lot of suffering, and it's very difficult to navigate this. And I'm the last person to judge anyone who's in a difficult situation like this. I did think it was helpful, though, when I ran across Steve and Jessica and Matt's story to share it with all of you, because I want you to see what's possible when everybody works hard to work together. I recognize that it requires everyone working together to make a co-parenting divorce situation work well. But I also know it can be done. And this is why I love their story so much. They have such a unique story. So Steve and Jessica were happily married for seven years. And then Steve came out as being gay, which inevitably ended in divorce for this relationship. Now, Matt and Jessica have been happily married for six years. So she remarried a guy named Matt. Now the three of them have a co-parenting relationship and friendship that by most standards would be considered very atypical. And so they go around sharing stories of love, marriage, children, divorce, the struggles of religious norms, homosexuality, and trying to be their best selves. And they hold nothing back. They're very open. They have their own podcast, and they're very active on social media. And they're working hard to let people know that it's possible to love others, accept others, and to work hard to be respectful and collaborative in everything that we do especially as we're trying to be there for the next generation. They are inspiring, they're so uplifting, and I'm really grateful that they were willing to come on the Illuminate podcast and share their story with us. So I'm gonna do these episodes in two pieces. The very first episode or interview with them is this episode, and you're just gonna hear their story. And you have to understand the story so that you can understand the recommendations that they're gonna give in the next episode on how to more effectively co-parent when you've got a divorce situation. Because if you don't really understand their story and who they are, you may think of these suggestions as fantasy or that they're just maybe uninformed or they're just new in the game. The truth is, is that they've done a ton of work and they're still working at it. And you'll hear that in the interview. You'll hear the respect and you'll hear the concern and the efforts that they're making to try and make this work well. So I'm introducing you now to Jessica, Matt and Steve. Well, Jessica, Matt, and Steve, I'm so glad you guys are with us. Welcome to the Illuminate podcast.
1: Thank you. We're excited to be here.
0: Yeah. Thank you for having us. So, before we jump into the topic for today, I think it'd be important for our listeners to meet you guys and just learn a little bit about your story and who each of you are. And then we can, of course, jump into the content right after that. So, I'll just let you guys tell your story. I'm sure you've done this plenty of times before and just introduce yourselves to the listeners here.
1: Sounds good. I'm, my name is Jessica, and I'm always the designated introducer for some reason, probably because I tie these two together.
2: Yeah. If you want me to, I could do the introduction. <laughs> what? It doesn't matter to me. I think it's just because she's an
3: attention hog.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I am here with my husband, Matt. That's me. And my ex-husband, Steve. That's me. And the three of us have gone through this journey of, obviously, we were married before. Steve and I were married before. Steve, before we got married, came to me and told me he struggled with pornography, which within the LDS church is something that we view as a negative thing. And so he and I worked with that throughout our marriage. And then it also came out that he was gay. And so we stayed married another five and a half years after he came to terms with the fact he was gay and created a really great, healthy relationship within that. Steve did ultimately decide to leave our marriage to go explore that side of himself, and we have continued to have a good relationship for not only our daughter, but also for ourselves because it was important for us, we were such good friends, that we were there to still support each other and our daughter. So we have created that relationship, and it's been a really great thing for us. And then moving forward in that, my husband Matt has come into our relationship and has supported that relationship. So he has been wonderful in letting us continue to be able to be friends and have each other in our lives. He, <laughs> We have holidays together and birthdays and Father's Day and <laughs> all of the things. And so it's just been quite a process in learning how to do those things and how to support and love each other and show up in a way that respects the other's beliefs while still being able to live the lives we want to live. Matt also was married before. He has two kids, so we have three kids all together. And then he has quite the story with his ex-wife as well, and we have a very different relationship with her as far as co-parenting goes. And so we kind of get all of these different dynamics going when it comes to co-parenting and divorce and working through affairs and struggles with pornography and being gay and in the LDS church and all of these things. So it's kind of a unique dynamic that we've created here.
0: Yeah. Guys, do you want to add anything to that?
2: No, I think that pretty much covers it.
0: (laughs) Okay. Yeah. As I'm sitting here, I'm thinking, man, the Brady Bunch has nothing on you guys.
2: (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah. We got a little bit more going on. Maybe not as many kids, but (laughs) a few more dynamics. Yeah. (laughs) A few more parents. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There would have been plenty of material for the writers uh, with all the different moving pieces that you guys have here. So... (laughs) Oh, that's great. So do you guys live by each other then?
1: We do. Steve lives just barely a mile away from us. Yeah, same, okay.
3: same section of, of town though and really
1: close by. Yeah. Yeah. So it works out okay, so nice. It... Our daughter's school is right by his house and she can walk from either house to school and she could walk to the other one's house actually if she wanted. So that's kind of nice.
0: Right. So you guys are physically around each other all the time. This isn't just, hey, we're nice to each other over text or phone or email. Like, It's very much in each other's lives. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So do you guys know a lot of other couples with this same arrangement or do you guys feel like you're kind of like this unicorn situation out there?
1: We know a couple, like we've heard of a couple. I don't really know any personally yeah. that have our working dynamic, but I hear about them every once in a while and that makes me happy. And I know this dynamic is not for everyone. Like we, right. this is definitely unique.
2: Yeah. One of the reasons why we wanted to start our podcast was because we knew that we were a little different and we had this working relationship that was really healthy and, you know, that brought in a lot of different dynamics. So that's, we just wanted to share our story and share our journey yeah, with everybody of how we co-parent, how we have a relationship, you know, between all three of us. and.
3: And any time people would hear about our scenario from any of the three of us, they were just mind blown at how well, how smoothly it all works and how well we get along. And so we just thought, hey, clearly this is something unique that the world should hear about. And so that's why we started our podcast.
0: Right. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that, you know, the first time I learned of your story, and, and you know, Jessica, when you reached out to me and as I was kind of reading it, thinking about it, you know, I've been doing this for 21 plus years. And, it just doesn't happen like this, right? It like just most people have a hard time making all the pieces fit together like this. Yeah. And everybody wants to do it for the kids. Everybody has good intentions. And I totally get that. I would feel the same way. Yeah. But the actual, you know, the actual execution of this and getting it to work isn't just a one-time decision. It's thousands no. of decisions. And it's, yes. you know, I'm imagining for you guys, this is constantly a work in progress.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a choice every time. I, thinking of last week, I text Matt when he was getting ready to come home from work. And I said, hey, just so you know, I invited Steve over for dinner because he's picking up Penny at 530. So I figured they should just eat dinner with us and then he's heading home. But like, even in that, I I think, oh, I should have told Matt before hey, or asked Matt before, is it okay if I invite Steve over for dinner? But I knew he'd be okay. But still, it's just like that you have to be very conscious of everybody's feelings in that and aware of what's going on. And I think what really makes this work is that Steve and I created a relationship in our marriage from the start that worked Yeah. to lead into this co-parenting relationship. And then Matt was able to get uncomfortable and open himself up to being okay in different situations and just seeing how he felt.
2: That was really hard for me just because in my first marriage, I hadn't established that relationship with another person, how we should be communicating. And so trying to relearn or learn it for the first time of really being open to communication was extremely hard.
0: Well, yeah, and especially under, you know, conditions where it's all happening and you're kind of late to the party, right? Yeah. (laughs) It's like...
3: (laughs) That said, though, Matt saying it's really hard, like, no one else would have known (laughs) because you did it flawlessly. He did. Uh, Like, looking back, I so took for granted how, what a challenge it would have been or was for Matt to, like, get used to this strange relationship that Jessica and I have still. I just kind of took that for granted because, you know, until we got into this podcast, hearing what it was like for Matt was kind of a new new information for me.
0: Yeah, no, I'm sure you guys have learned a lot about each other as, you know, you've talked to each other, people have asked questions and you keep exploring this and really realizing how unique it is. And I think, I mean, a big part of why I wanted to have you guys on here was because, I mean, I just in my own practice and in the podcast of the topics we've covered, so many people struggle to navigate this and i think most people want peace most people instinctively want this to go well in terms of you know discovering someone's secret life or discovering that you know their values are not aligned the way they thought they were and there's just a lot of things a lot of surprises that people run into of course and some are more traumatic than others and so where you guys have you know not only worked through a lot of these dynamics but you're working through them all the time and trying to maintain this really cohesive unit. I think we have a lot to learn from you guys. And so I'm really glad that you guys are here. We can talk through this stuff.
1: Thanks. Yeah. We're excited yeah. to be here.
2: Never in a million so- years would I have thought I would be laying on a floating watermelon with my wife's ex-husband. <laughs> <laughs>
3: in, in a swimming pool. <laughs> in a
2: swimming pool.
3: Which we did on Saturday. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the kids were attacking him. Yeah. It
2: was, a war. it was a oh watermelon wars.
3: Dads versus kids. <laughs> and me and Matt dominated that. Floating right, We game. need a
0: picture of that. Never in a million years would I have thought I was laying on a floating watermelon with my wife's exit. <laughs> right. That's just a great I've got visual. A picture. So. I've
1: got a picture. <laughs> good. Good.
0: So if I can, I'd like to go back to Jessica and Steve's marriage. Yeah. You know, where all this started, at least for you guys. And You know, Steve. You sounds like so. She said you had opened up first about the struggle with pornography before you had opened up about the struggle about you being gay. Not necessarily struggle, but like with you being gay. And so, tell me about that. Why did you open up about that? I mean, were you caught? Like, how did that whole thing come out? What happened there? Because a lot of people can relate to that, right? Of having this secret behavior, having to talk to your spouse about it. Tell me what happened with that for you.
3: So I had struggled with pornography for years, and I didn't like that fact about myself. I was getting help from my bishop and trying to cope with that and such i had not come to terms with the fact that i was gay it was absolute denial at its best and so honestly i felt like i had shared what i needed to share with jessica in disclosing to her that i struggled with pornography and that as much as i would like to say this is going to go away when we get married i knew it wasn't and that it was going to continue to be a challenge for me so that i shared with her i as i said i didn't disclose that i was gay because i had not even I had not admitted that to myself in my own head. Right.
1: And so we had this conversation like a few days before we were getting married. He disclosed this to me and was very honest about, you know, how long it had been going on. He answered any question I asked and we just had a very, like, I want to say almost non emotional. I mean, there were tears and whatever, but it wasn't, there wasn't any anger or I don't know. It seemed pretty calm, right? I remember just sitting there, the two of us in what was going to be our apartment together talking about this whole thing.
3: And I didn't think at the time, like, like I had gone back and forth on whether or not it was something I needed to tell you. because mm-hmm. But it was, it basically boiled down to me having to admit to myself, this is not, like, this is going to affect our marriage in some way. Like, I can't fake myself into thinking that I'm never going to look at porn again when I'm married. Like, I need to be honest with her. I don't want to go into this marriage on unequal footing and bring this baggage in that she didn't know about. Like, I want her to, be fully educated before, <laughs> before she agrees, before she says I do and is surprised by this baggage I'm bringing in. Well, Steve, I got to admit,
0: like that level of honesty and respect for her and for yourself, right? Just to say, hey, I'm just going to own the fact that this is a struggle. I know it will impact our marriage. I know I'm not out of the woods yet. And I think you should have full disclosure on that. That has to set up, right, a better foundation than trying to hide this and getting caught, which is what I see happen more often than not.
3: And there was some of that yeah.
1: too. <laughs> yeah, as you say, there were plenty of those moments, but that really set the stage of knowing that it was okay if we talked about it. Like we didn't always have the conversations right when we needed to, or things were still hidden at times, but at least there was like this open line of communication that had yeah. been set in place before we got married.
0: Okay. So so Steve, you're not a perfect angel is what you're saying.
1: I mean- Okay.
3: Pretty close (laughs) now, but no, (laughs) of course not. But this was me admitting that, like, this is something that I want to try and work on and be open with you about. And so, even though down the road there was some things that I kept from her, it was
1: it was so much easier to deal with.
3: Yeah, and it wasn't okay. I guess I just it wasn't me like intending to have secrets from her. It was clearly I have weaknesses and I struggled with my own challenges. But it was something that I was willing to be open with her about. Right, okay, or at least wanted to be open with her about it. Yeah. <laughs> that was hard to do right, but...
0: and that's yeah, that's the part that I think I'm hearing and that that i I see a lot with the folks I work with, which is you know intentions still create you know even though you have good intentions the the impact in terms of you know the behavior can still hurt another person, but the intention at least is you know a willingness in the heart to stay with it and try and get it right, and you know as messy as it's been at different stages, you know I, I hear that you know with you initiating that, you being I mean, to me, that's some incredible feedback. And I guess it's an important point for anybody who's listening to this, that if you have a secret behavior that your partner doesn't know about, you being the first one to lead out and bring that up and talk about that does set the stage and sends a very clear message that you are committed and willing to try and get this right, even though it's not going to be perfect.
1: Yeah. And that's actually something that I found throughout our relationship is that if I was willing to make sure and acknowledge my points of vulnerability or my mistakes of like, hey, I didn't approach this right this time with how I was feeling. I didn't like start the conversation in a way that was meaningful and that helped you feel like you could talk to me. I'm sorry for that. If I went back and did those things or if I admitted I had done something wrong or whatever and made him aware of my shortcomings, it always opened the door for him to come back And be honest with me in where he was at and how he was feeling. It made him feel safe to be able to trust me with where he was at and how he was dealing and what was really going on.
0: Yeah. So Jessica, I mean, what you're saying essentially is that when there were tough things to talk about, are you saying that you would just slow down and really look at just whatever your contribution was in terms of the dynamic between you guys? For sure. Okay.
1: Okay. Yeah. How was I putting up a wall that made it harder for him to tell me that he was struggling? What were mm-hmm. things I was doing that maybe sent a signal to him that he wasn't safe to tell me right then?
3: Which was really a hard thing for me to learn. It took years for me to really get it into my thick skull that that <laughs> I could talk to Jessica about this. Anytime. With, without it leading to, without there being negative consequences. Like, you know, there's this huge shame around looking at pornography. And I had to learn that, no, she wasn't going to love me any less when I admitted to her that I'd messed up and caved. That she that, that she wasn't going to leave me for it, that it was, you know, that this is something that I can talk to her about and be open about, and it will just bring us closer and help me with this challenge as opposed to, you know, this shameful voice in my head that was telling me, oh, she's not going to love you the way she does anymore, or she's not going to want to stay married to you, or going to cause problems, you need to keep this to yourself. It was a lesson I had to learn that, yes, I can be open to her and have it be a positive thing as opposed to the opposite.
0: Yeah. And Jessica was the discovery. I mean, obviously he talked about it before you were married. And so you knew it was on the table, but even in these subsequent discoveries where it was secretive or whatever, would you have described that as traumatic for you or what was it like for you to discover this?
1: I think the only time that I would associate really traumatic was first, I mean, he did have an affair at the end of our marriage. So that was traumatic. But the really other moment that I can think of is when I found, I didn't, So let me say this. I never went looking for the pornography. I didn't want to be checking up on him. That wasn't my job. That was not my responsibility unless he asked me to put filters or whatever. Like, unless he came to me and asked me to help him with specific things, I really tried to let go of control. So I didn't go looking for the pornography. I didn't check his email. I didn't check his phone. Like, those were his things he needed to deal with. And I knew I couldn't take that on. But that being said, six months into our marriage, I was on our computer and I found. Like it just popped up, all of this porn, because he'd been looking at it and that's what it does. It'll start popping up. And I realized at that point, it's all gay porn. Like it is all gay porn. And I remember he was at work and I am on the floor of our apartment looking, like looking through all these pop ups and just sobbing and feeling like, okay, (sighs) the pornography is one thing, but obviously my husband is gay. Like, what other explanation is there? And just sitting there processing that of how does this look? Does he acknowledge that he's gay? And talking to him that night, I mean, he I asked him flat out if he was gay and he denied it. Oh, really? Yeah.
3: I denied it because it was not something I'd admitted to myself. He still... Literally the first time those words had ever even crossed my mind was when you asked me, Jessica, are you gay? Oh, it was that hidden for you still. Okay. It was ridiculous that I had not admitted this to myself, but it just, it wasn't an option for me growing up. I just, I grew up strong in the church and I was walking the line as best as I knew and very much had plans for myself to follow a traditional Mormon life and being gay and having attraction to men and pursuing any sort of a gay lifestyle was not an option. It just didn't fit any part of the plan that I was taught to have for myself or the plan that I wanted for myself. It just, so it was not something I had admitted to myself. So literally, Jess asked me that question, and I just like, I don't know, it was like tunnel vision set in, and the room just like starts spinning. And I swear, I just, it was like I went into like a little walking coma for like three weeks, just yeah, wow. just hearing those words repeating in my head over and over, are you gay? Are you gay? And of course, I had to admit, of course, I'm gay.
1: To himself. He didn't yeah. admit that to me.
3: But yeah, to you, my response was, right. no, why would you ask me that? Of course, I'm not gay. And you're like, well... <laughs> like and you like spin the computer around like well duh kind of a thing and I still was just like, well, it doesn't mean I'm gay like <laughs> I don't even know right. how I justified it then and there but
0: well you knew it would change everything yeah to admit that right
1: yeah and so at that point I continued forward knowing okay, I know he's gay <laughs> I felt it and I was like, but he's not come to, he hasn't come to terms with that and I think in that moment also watching Steve spiral and knowing... I could see and feel his pain and his own self, you know, like how he was feeling and beating himself up about this. And it made it easier for me to let go of any feelings. I mean, there were still some feelings of how I felt about it, but it it made it easier to see it from his perspective of this man is suffering. I don't need to make his pain worse. I don't need to hold this over his head. I need to be here to help him see the good in him so that he doesn't keep falling into this pattern.
3: And I think real quick, you saw that this is not some secret I was keeping from you. This was not some secret life that I have that I'm off with guys on the weekends or something. It was, I mean, you saw for what it was, which is a part of myself that I struggled with, that I didn't like, that I didn't want, that I was trying yeah. to overcome. And I mean, your response was empathy and support and yeah. concern, as opposed to shaming or, yeah. you know, so many other things things that could have been detrimental yours was a response of empathy and love and support right but eventually right. I, I you know like i said it probably took me several weeks three weeks i think before i finally did say okay and i don't know maybe maybe i never did say you didn't admit Jessica.
1: that you were gay at that point
3: okay well at some point we had a conversation that no i had never been with a man i didn't intend to be with a man yes i but you know i struggle with gay pornography but i it's not something i intend to pursue yeah and so we both said, okay, then Well, Jessica, you said, okay, then I'll stay in this marriage. And
1: this conversation actually happened almost a year later. Was it that long? It was. Yes. And Steve had been in counseling with, I believe, an LDS counselor about the pornography and the counselor's like, yeah, the pornography is an issue, but the real issue is you're gay. Like you need to accept this, that you, you're struggling. And at that time it was always, you're struggling with same gender attraction hmm. and So, at that point was when Steve finally came to terms with it, and we both started like reading and researching and trying to find support and help for ourselves to understand how to deal with this.
0: Yeah, and I can see that it creates such a unique dynamic in the sense that, you know, for a lot of couples that I work with, at least, you know, couples that are dealing with, you know, a heterosexual orientation and where she'll discover pictures of other women then it immediately goes into like a comparison about her not being enough and and things like that. And for you, I'm guessing that wasn't the case, right? Because you were like, wow, this is clearly not about me. Like, (laughs) is that true for you?
1: You know, I think there's still like this part of you that wants to compare or like, how can I compensate? How can I live up to this? But I had to just be very honest with myself in the fact that I can't ever compete with a man like i you can't compare me to a man i'm i'm a woman there's no way i can fill this void that he's obviously feeling and i think and even before i knew it was gay porn there was just this part of me that knew okay this is who i know i am I'm a daughter of my heavenly father and he loves me. And I knew I was supposed to be married to Steve. Like there's no question in my mind that we were supposed to be a part of each other's lives. And so therefore I knew there was a plan. Like there has to be a plan for all of this. Heavenly father knew I could do this. And so I am going to continue forward in understanding who I am and not let this damage my self-confidence and my self-esteem because that's not gonna help either of us. Like I'm not gonna sit here and try to be somebody different because that's who I feel Steve needs me to be. I'm gonna be the person that I need to be for me because that will benefit Steve.
0: Jessica, how did you get to that? So I, I'm not acting like you got there like in a day, but I'm just <laughs> curious, like how did you get there with that? Because and let me just preface that question with a little statement here. I see that most women who heal from the impact of their husband's pornography or affairs or these other things, whether it's you know with, with a live person, whatever, like any these sexual betrayals, that they, they come to this conclusion, right? They come to this place where they realize this isn't something I caused. This isn't yeah. this isn't really even about me. And I have to be grounded in the truth of who I am. And then I can decide what I want to do with this relationship with this other person. They really start to see themselves, you know, kind of they, they get rid of sort of this this sort of enmeshment of like, this is about me. And, you know, so, that, so how, how did you get there? How did that happen? Especially so early.
1: I honestly think that it's, that first of all, it's a gift I've been given from a very young age to just know who I am and feel confident in being myself and being being true to what I feel. So I I very much try to focus in on how I feel about the situation and how I want to show up about it and kind of silence the noise around me. I'm not one to let comparison creep in. And I think that is such a killer of comparing ourselves. I think okay. Especially as women, we compare ourselves to everybody else around us. And when you can shut that out and really recognize the good that's in you and focus in on the good that's in you and appreciate that these other people are better than you in different ways, and that's great because you are different in other ways and and bring other things to the table, then you really come to find this confidence and self-love in yourself to recognize the actions of others are usually not about you they're about something they're experiencing and it's easier to separate yourself from that you can still feel it you can still whatever but you can let it go much faster to be able to see okay now think about what this other person is feeling if they're treating you this way or if they're having these actions that you feel are directed towards you you can see that more clearly
0: yeah that is such a process isn't it and i'm yes. get, i mean i don't want to play this down and say like here we are all these years later and you just snapped your fingers and made it happen it was a process for you yeah but it sounds like it started for you long before you met Steve, right? This yeah. this was for you a, a very individual journey of like like trying to, you know, see other people as other people that are not you and you don't have to be them and really just working to be okay with knowing that, you know, you know, you are who you are and that you belong to your heavenly parents and that, you know, you don't have to necessarily compare yourself or be like other people. Like that for you is a real foundation of being able to kind of stand in your place. And have that anchor when Steve was making choices that were 180 degrees opposite of what you signed up for.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's like this understanding of I know there's a plan for me. And yes, the plan is not what I thought it was. And so being willing to pivot and look at it from a new light. Okay. So what does this new opportunity allow me to do? Like, what does I was not planning on being married to a gay man? (laughs) 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 And (laughs) what can I learn from this? What can I see? And, For me, honestly, it's always come back to, I have this opportunity to love somebody in a way I never thought I'd be able to love somebody. Like it's a different, I get to love people differently because I'm willing to open myself up to seeing this situation from a new way. I feel like almost every time it comes back to that of, oh, I can love this person. Matt, you wanna say something? I was
2: just gonna say, I wanna point out something really quick here is that you know in the statement where you said, you know, I didn't realize I was going to be married to a gay man. Like you laugh, you you smile about it now. Yeah. But the pain and the heartache that went through your lives was real. It was very real. I just want to make that point that like right now we are in a very good place. Yes. And Jessica and Steve are in a great place right now. But the pain and the heartache to get to this place and the work that still continues to happen is very, very real
1: it is very real and we don't want to downplay any of that i mean especially for steve like it was a struggle for years to love and accept himself and still of course it is for all of us sometimes it is a struggle
0: yeah oh yeah no matt and i appreciate that i think that that's always important to b- bring it back down to earth and keep it real so that people who are listening don't think that maybe they're they're just messed up or doing it wrong no. if they're in the struggle right now right because i think that I mean, I'm thrilled that you guys are in a good place. It's the only way you could do a podcast like this. You're not going to start a podcast or start telling your story, you know, like this uh, docudrama every day, just kind of trying to mess, figure it out, you know,
1: yeah, yeah. that's,
0: that's not, obviously you guys
1: we wouldn't be able to pull that off. <laughs> not.
0: <laughs> You're not going to play out your drama in real time and not that you guys still don't have struggles or whatever, but there is a good foundation. And so it can be yes. easy to think that somehow it was always like this. And, and so Matt, I appreciate that perspective. So to validate the struggle. Yeah. Yeah. I know that's really good. Matt, I'm curious for you. You know, Jessica talks about how part of what's allowed her to, you know, stay in relationship with Steve and, and obviously continue to make him a part of her life and Penny's life and, and, you know, just do all this, this really important work that you guys are doing was her ability to see him as a person separate from her and to understand a, a different kind of love that perhaps she was not even aware existed. I'm guessing, you know, in terms of meeting her and and dating her and marrying her, I'm guessing some of that had to happen for you as well
2: with Steve. Is that true? So here's the kicker with that. I knew Steve through mountain biking before I knew Jessica. So I had already had somewhat of a foundation of a relationship with Steve prior to engaging into a relationship with Jessica. So that was something that I think helped set the tone of, you know, and at this time when I was mountain biking with Steve, like I didn't know all the details of Steve's life. It was more of, you know, out on the, on the hills with the guys and yeah.
0: Okay. And so, but when, when that transition started, when you guys, you know, started to become kind of a new, a new family unit and this was happening. My um, mind was blown. Yes.
2: Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm guessing there's no precedent for this, right? You know, it's not like, You'd had any kind of a dress rehearsal for this. This was something you had to work through just as actively as Jessica did, yeah?
2: Yeah, and I remember the the first time that Jessica basically spilled the whole story about her and, you know, Steve's relationship to me. It was a a lot to process and figure out, like, wait a second, like, there was a lot of questions. Yeah, Um, do you remember
3: what those questions were, Matt?
2: No, well, yeah, just trying to figure out one of the questions was how did Jessica really get to this place of being okay with maintaining this relationship? You know, because in a normal like standards of how we view things in the world is like, no, it was, it would be so much more simple for Jessica to be bitter and angry and, you know, go storming off with her daughter and truly trying to recognize why, what was different? Why did she not do that? And just processing all of of the intricacies of this
0: relationship. And Matt, from your perspective, what was the answer to that one? That's a great question.
2: What I saw was there was mutual respect for both, for one another there. Steve had the utmost respect for Jessica when he talked about her and Jessica had the, you know, words of respect that reciprocated towards Steve. And there was just a mutual respect that was always constant and consistent.
0: Yeah, that is a huge foundation. I was thinking about, you know, Jessica, when you were talking about how you worked really hard to take your own accountability and be vulnerable so that Steve would open up to you about his struggles with pornography. And then certainly after you discover that he was gay long before he did. I mean, that you worked hard to just you know, be respectful and be approachable and keep the conditions really safe. The thing that I, I I do believe worked really well for, you know, with that dynamic has a lot to do with Steve as well, which is Steve, you didn't take advantage of that, right? You didn't let her just carry the blame for it. Like some people do that become abusive where they're just like, yeah, it is you or you yeah. said that wrong or, right? Like Steve, I mean, you, you worked just as hard to own your stuff and stay respectful as well back to her. Am I hearing that right?
3: The last thing I wanted was for this huge problem of mine to negatively affect Jessica. The last thing I wanted was to see this amazing level of confidence and surety that she has that was part of what drew me to her initially when we first met. The last thing I wanted was to see that diminish because of this problem that I had.
1: Hmm. And I think Steve really came to realize that by him being honest with me, it kept me feeling comfortable in where we were at and confident in how my part in his relationship, because he was willing to trust me. Therefore, he loved me. He was able to give me that respect. And I I think about this now, and Steve has beat himself up for years about how he treated me and that he put me through all of this and that he had the affair and all of these things. And that's what breaks my heart is that he took so much of that on and just has not allowed himself He has not recognized just what you said, this respect that he gave me in that and that he allowed me to still, he gave me the opportunity to still be who I was by showing up and being honest where he didn't blame me. He never once threw this back on me or made me feel like it was my fault. And that's that's huge because you watch that happen over and over. So many of the women I've talked to, those are issues that then they have to deal with because they've been told. Over and over, that it's their fault, and that is so damaging and so hurtful.
0: Right, and I would just say that if you know if there's anyone listening, I'll just I mostly speak to women who are being betrayed, but this applies to anyone. If you've been in a situation where you've been betrayed by someone, or they've you know they've revealed a secret life, or these kinds of things, they've broken the values or the commitments you've made to each other. If they're not willing to step into deep accountability, deep remorse, and respect, and like you said, Jessica, not put it back on you then this kind of a relationship you guys have today would not be possible.
1: Yeah. Right? It, no, it would not be. It would be totally different.
0: And so I look at that and I think, you know, I I can I know some times people listen, to, I mean, talk about comparisons, people will listen to stories like yours and think, oh my gosh, I'm doing it wrong because look, we yeah. don't have that kind of relationship and I'm at odds with my ex all the time. But I think it's, you know, do you have somebody who crossed the line who was willing to stay accountable and respectful? and not shift any of it onto you, and they're doing their own work. And if anything, probably beat themselves up too much for it, right, Steve? Yes. But <laughs> that really sets the foundation for you, Jessica, to practice, to stay in that vulnerability with him, right? You yes. can certainly do it privately away from him, but for you to stay with it yourself in connection to him is only possible because of that respect and that safety that's been on board from day one, even though there were, you know, it was messy at times, there yeah. was always that, that base level of safety, yeah?
1: Oh, yeah. And that's what I think helps us be able to connect with people is because we understand that totally opposite dynamic that you were just talking about with Matt's ex-wife. Like we totally get that side of it and how that plays into it because we can't have that same relationship with her because there is no lack of respect and no...
2: There's there's, zero respect.
1: There's zero respect and there's zero accountability for actions, for her actions. We are willing to fess up to our part in things and to own our part in things, but there's there's no reciprocation of that.
0: Right. The foundation of your relationship with the three of you is really rooted in vulnerability, accountability, respect. Yep. And that's what keeps
3: this thing chugging along,
0: yeah? Yes.
1: Yep.
3: I think the common factor from before Jessica and I were married, during our marriage, after our marriage, into Matt and Jessica's marriage, the common factor, Jessica, between you and I is that we both always had concern for each other's well being. That yes. never stopped. We always wanted what was best for the other mm-hmm. throughout all of those scenarios.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah. No, that's powerful.
0: So this is fascinating, of course. I want to move on to the next topic, but I'm gonna we're gonna close out today's episode and I'll have you guys back and we're gonna talk about the co-parenting thing, right? Because this is where it gets a little more complicated, right? It's, it's one sure. thing for three adults to just work to get along together. But it's another thing to throw a child in the mix who has, you're right, there's nothing in there that's her fault, right? So it gets a little more complicated. But I think there's a lot we can learn from you guys about how to, you know, add another, you know, vulnerable, little dependent person into the mix and make it work. And so I appreciate you guys coming on here, telling your story, opening this up and talking through some of these messy dynamics so that people can understand what's possible if everyone's willing to do the work together. And I'll look forward to having you guys back in just a little while. Awesome. Thank you. If you wanna follow Jessica, Matt and Steve, their account on Instagram is husband underscore in underscore law. So husband in law with underscores between them. They also have a podcast called Husband in Law. And Jessica has a book and a journal that I'm going to link in the show notes and you can check that out. I encourage you to follow them. They've got great uplifting content. And they're all working hard to create a really loving and healthy environment for their daughter and sending so many good vibes everywhere. I'm just really grateful for them and the great work that they're doing. And in the next episode, I'm going to interview them again. And we're going to talk specifically about what they're doing to create a healthy co-parenting relationship between the three of them so that they can set their daughter up for success. I think you'll find it very interesting and inspiring, especially if you are in a divorce situation and you're trying to figure out how to do this better. And even though it takes everyone working hard together to make this work, there might be some ideas and it might be inspiring as you're trying to figure out how to do this. So I'll see you in the next episode.